If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at liveonfourlegspodcast and on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod. Okay, this is uh, happening. It's happening. I'm gonna make a toast here because it's nice like these that along with the magic and the ivy and the old scoreboard and the hundred-year-old bricks and all the history uh, what really makes this this jewel of the city uh, uh, such an incredible place is the people that come fill this place with their positive energy and strength And I'm seeing that on display big time right now. So here's to you, Chicago. Thank you. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking Cameron in the truck. Hey everybody now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, the definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. And sadly, we are at the end of our Wrigley month, and boy has it been a blast. We've enjoyed just spending time talking to so many great people, talking about these Wrigley shows and getting to kind of look back. And I know it's not that distant of the past that that we get to look back on but man these are some of the most special shows that the band has ever done in their catalog and and just getting to talk to talk about all of them all in a row has just been an exciting and emotional time uh but all of you guys that have ch- chimed in and and you know wished us well and said that we're doing a good job thank you all for doing that it's meant so much to us i think this is probably our favorite stretch that we've had so far so Introducing the hosts, Randy Sobel here and John Farrar over there. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? I'm great. I'm sad that uh, this is this is this is it. This is the end of of Wrigley until we get more Wrigley shows at a later date. Yeah, I have a feeling. Like like I've said, you know, a couple of times this month, I have a feeling this is not the last we'll see of Pearl Jam at Wrigley Field. No, no, absolutely not. They, especially if they go three or four more years without winning the World Series over there. Ed wants some, he's going to want some uh, 2016 magic to come back. But, hey, 
look, you know, it gives us great material to work with. These shows are always special, and uh, yeah, the ballpark shows fantastic stuff. So, um, if you haven't been tuning in, if if this is your first one that you've been listening to, I I ask you to go back and the whole month of July we've had great interviews and John who have we interviewed this month tell tell everybody yeah we talked to uh, Stephen Hyden the great uh, music journalist we talked to Jonathan Cohen who helped co-write the PJ20 book we talked to Rob Bleatstein and from Sirius Pearl Jam Radio Sirius XM and Bob Krause who was uh, at those Wrigley shows and then yeah we we've been talking to the fans we had uh we had that episode where we we read all your stories and that that was a lot of fun thanks everybody for sending those in yeah it's been a huge month and uh you know like we said we're we're sad to see it go but we have some more exciting things up on the horizon that i'm sure we will share with you towards the end of the episode but uh last week I know you guys were tuning in and you noticed that we did a Wrigley Forum and we will get back to that same group of patrons this week. But uh, just to remind you all what's going on at Patreon uh, right now. But yeah, we got uh, we got a lot of stuff going on on Patreon and uh, we have a Bridge School episode that's going to come out this week. I think it's night two, 1999, as we continue along with just looking back and reminiscing on those fantastic shows and we're going to have an evolution episode on river mirror coming up uh kind of soon so there's going to be a lot of stuff going on right right john yeah that's right and we've always got our devo episodes coming out so where we get a chance to just have some fun and let our hair down a little bit and and talk about some some more lighthearted things so be on the lookout for those too Absolutely, and we want to thank two new patrons this week, Jeremy Curtis and Javier Herbes. Uh, thank you to both of you for joining in on on our little team over there. And for if you want to join in, head on over to patreon.com slash live on four legs. And uh, right now we got some masks sitting over here. We are waiting. We're just waiting for the patrons that haven't gotten back to us. If they do get back to us, those masks belong to them. If they don't, then it's for the next people that sign up. So if you want to contribute to the show and we get to do stuff like this Wrigley month and the setlist drafts and more things that we can, we can do with your help and your enthusiasm. Like that's, you know, head on over, help us out, subscribe, and uh, we'll put everything back into making the show more special and more important. And uh, that leads us into inviting our next guest onto the show for today. Uh, his name is Alex Turetjin and Alex, uh, thank you for coming on the show, and you are a patron, and you are actually a setlist draft winner. So, congratulations for that, and uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, I'm really excited. Been looking forward to this for a while, and uh, been a long time listener for a while now. And um, yeah, just a huge fan of the band, huge fan of the show, and excited to be here. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, you were at. This night two, you weren't at night one, if I understand correctly, right? You were at night two? No, I was not. We came into Chicago on night one, but it, we didn't get tickets, sadly, to this oh. for the first time. And now you, you got to let the you got to let the audience know that you're pretty early on into your Pearl Jam fandom here, and you're already five shows deep, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, so I was at Wrigley 2013. I was at Moline in 2014 and then i went to two shows before this one the home shows and then i went to this one this second 
show Wrigley 2018. So most of your experiences have been ballpark experiences. So like, is that, I mean, especially going to a place like Moline, how, how different is that just getting all that, you know, seeing them on such a huge stage? It was kind of weird going into that thing, but I was also super young. I was also nine years old at that time. So it was pretty much me, my dad, and then a couple of his buddies. We all went there and I was, the weird thing was my dad didn't tell me like they switched the set list every night. So when they came on stage, I was like expecting release because I've never been to a band where they have changed the set list like that. And then they come out with elderly woman. I was like, oh, wow, this is different. This is cool though, because I knew the song and I love that song. And then, yeah, it just was an amazing experience, but really different from 2013, especially after what happened at that show. Now, it, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because, yeah, a lot of stuff happened that night. Uh, we talked all about it in many of our episodes, and I think it's the one show that does get brought back in all the other Wrigley shows because it's part of the story. So, you know, you're very young and you're dealing with a rain delay. Like, do you remember a lot of what was going on during the rain delay? Do you remember where you were? Like, tell us a little bit about that one before getting into, you know, five years later and how you dealt with the 2018 one. Yeah. So what I remember about that day was that we, so I used to live in Chicago and we lived 45 minutes away from the city. So that I just remember driving towards the stadium and then hearing my Germaners and it was like, this is really cool. I can't wait maybe they'll play it at the show. And then when we got there, we had seats literally three rows behind the plate, which were great, amazing seats. I could see if I was standing on a stool. But I, I remember after they played Elderly Woman and they, like, then they did the announcement. But during that song, I remember I saw a lightning bolt come in be, like, behind the stadium. I was like, oh, that doesn't look good. And then – then they had the rain delay and it just felt like it was never going to end until they came back on three hours later, midnight, and then played till 2 a.m. Let's play two. And and your dad let you let you stay there and, and he kept you awake for, for all that? I I think I fell asleep the second I got in the car, but I stayed up pretty much the entire show. That's pretty awesome. Hey, I give you a lot of credit for that. I don't think a lot of eight-year-olds can do that. Yeah, but the, also the thing is <laughs> – by the time I was six years old, I have gone. I went to five shows at the Metro, at wow. like late shit. Like they were at like late night shows. Like we went to one show on New Year's, and they did the countdown during the show. Wow, who who was that? Who was playing at that show? It was a band called Airborne Toxic Event. They're a really small band, and but I just became a huge fan of, of them after I saw them on Letterman. They played one of the songs called Wishing Well. I was just hooked forever i'm still love listening to the band but pearl jams just my home now like when you when you leave to go on vacation you always want to come home someday and pearl sure, jams are sure. kind of that thing yeah i hear you i absolutely that's what that's why we do this whole thing so um all right so you had that experience in the rain and now this is a little bit different because like you said they went on stage they played some songs that uh that 2013 show this show is just kind of it's raining out it's pouring it's pretty much a miserable day uh and yeah nothing nothing's really going on and and they you know you get the big announcement saying uh it's postponed until further noticed uh and what's what's going on this is this is sort of act two 
I think it was just kind of funny because those were the two Wrigley shows that we're at, and they both get rain delays. And I think the first, it was just walking in and seeing like, oh, well, there's going to be rain. We might be here for a while. And then, hope, thank God they came on at 9.30 at night. It wasn't midnight like last time. Because we had to catch a flight at, I think, 4 a.m. to Seattle the next day after the show. And we were like, oh, I hope at least hope they don't cancel the show or something like that. And at least they came on at 9.30 and an amazing show came out of it, obviously. You know, obviously the the show brought back a lot of memories for the band for 2013. And it always seems to kind of be the specter that, that hovers over every one of these shows. And like Alex said, I'm just glad they were able to get it in and, and able to to get the show in. Because, you know, they they really didn't want – they. They don't want to have to go back and, and do what they did in 2013. They don't want to have to keep those people there. That, that was a one-time only thing. So, yeah, just just thankful. I don't know that everyone in the band and, and their crew was, was grateful that it that it led up and they were able to get the show in. Right, and their, the time that they were allowed on stage was much less than they were allotted in 2013. 2013, of course, let's play till two. Everybody remembers that, but I think that they had a very strict uh, out time of midnight at this show. So, you know, it, it's it, it must have been hard for them to to get out and want to get out there. But, yeah, like, it, there, there's a lot of struggling, especially for the people in the stands, you know, thinking, hey, this might not happen. I got to leave the next day. Yeah, there's there's a lot riding on that. So let's uh, let's throw it right now. Let's introduce our forum that we brought on the show last week. Let's introduce them real quick. Get you familiar with their names, and then we'll we'll talk about their uh, experiences in the rain as well. My name is Curtis. I'm from Eastern Iowa. My name is Ryan. I uh, I live in Pittsburgh. Uh, my name is Bradley. I live in. Uh... Portage, Indiana, right outside of uh, Chicago. I'll say in my experience, uh, 13 was, I guess, yeah, I think people were more calm in 13 because everybody, they said they'd come back and they, you know, and people were hearing rumors that, oh, they're going to get a little extent, or at least I should say the people I was standing around, you know, I can't speak for the, you know, the rest of the park or whatever, but in the, in the immediate area that I was standing in, in 13, people were just kind of like, you know, like, all right, come on, let's get this, you know, let's go. But no one was like upset. No one was, you know, um, uh, you know, considering leaving or anything like that. Everybody knew that, you know, that that was going to be a, you know, a, a big show. Everybody, you know, everybody could sense that, you know, they were going to pull out something special at the show and, you know, which they did and stuff. But, um, but then in 18, because of, you know, the delay, I mean, it was one where I remained calm just because ah, I've been through it before. I'm sure we'll get something cool, you know, out of this and everything. But, uh, um, but it just like, yeah, it had almost had a different sense. It was, I should say like 13, everybody felt more optimistic. Whereas 18 people just seemed like, bummed out and you know kind of like like it was more than an inconvenience for them and stuff like that so mm-hmm. a little you know it, it was weird to see the, the the difference i guess total total same um i think the difference between 13 and 18 is the uh just what the day's forecast was at 18 it was like a lot of the vibe we were on the floor so we we're inside and a little crowded um it was, why aren't they just calling it? Like, if you looked at the radar, it was like, this, this isn't going to subside, and they're not going to play. Like, 
let's get this ready to play at like noon or one or whatever tomorrow and rain delay and do it tomorrow afternoon. You know, um, I think the Cubs schedule like kind of was a fit for that. And I don't know if that was just a rumor that was pervasive in our little area, but it was, I don't know, 13 was felt more like, you know, you're delayed on an airplane. It's like, well, no matter how long it is, it's like, ah, 15 more minutes, 15 more minutes. Yeah. You know? This is just like, is this going to happen? And, um, you know, even it was like when they started to announce they're for sure going to play was like the first we thought that they were for sure going to play. Like maybe my little group was negative or just, you know, whatever was swirling around us, but it was like, what, what are we doing? And I think what the actual forecast and the radar said, like led into that. I think 2013 was a surprisingly, more rain and lightning and uh, 18 was should they should they even punched our tickets you know like what are what are they thinking obviously it worked out but uh it yeah it was very intense and definitely definitely tale of two rain delays i will say in 13 i remember where we were wherever they made you know since we were already on the field and then they escorted us off wherever they had us, like just, you know, under the bleachers or wherever it was, I was jammed. Like you know, we were like in like sardines, you know, it was very tight. There was, you know, it was very hot and it was almost uncomfortable, but I think the optimism from everybody kind of kept people in good spirits. And it was, you know, almost like a, Hey, we're all in this together kind of thing. Um, in 18, um, I was in a different location. I, you know, I, I had had seats for 18, but they were on the field. So, I was escorted out through a different direction. So I actually had more room in 18. I was lucky enough to where, where we stayed for the rain delay was very close to a drinking fountain and a bathroom. So it was very, so it was a little more relaxed for me. But, uh, but like I said, there was, you know, there was the feeling of despair in the air, I guess you could say. Um, uh, so, so at least it was a little more comfortable in, in 18, but still just like the vibe was, was not as comfortable. Do you yeah. guys do you guys think that that the atmosphere around it and the the kind of dreariness of the, the whole atmosphere contributed to them choosing to open with "Given to Fly" like more of an uplifting song to try to get everybody up from the beginning? Um, excellent question. Um, I think I'm really impressed with how they pivoted with this show as opposed to just really plowing ahead with the set list that was in 2013 when some of it didn't super make sense. Um, this, I, I would go to my grave saying that this was definitely, definitely rewritten significantly during this rain delay and the given to fly opener for sure. You needed something that was, uh, recognizable, uh, a hit, something that everyone would know and that big, big open soaring feeling, right? We have limited time. We've been delayed. If you know, if you're not going to get off, I'm going to get you off. Let's get it going right away. Before we start, I really think you should 
I'll just give yourselves a big hand. Thank you. Here's to you. said i mean you know you come out of the gate with give and fly and that's that's huge because most of these shows you're getting slow burn opens three three song opens you're getting a release you're getting elderly woman and, and all all of those kind of songs but your your slow burn is gone now and it feels like give and fly is kind of the best and and it seems even in retrospect like the only option that they can go to just because of its its build and the intensity and how crazy the crowd can get during this one like you know i think i think the forum put it best that there was just a jolt of energy after you know right right away when they came on stage but yeah we're going to talk about this too as we go like this is an absolute master class in set construction like this is one of this is one of ed's best jobs like um one of his best performances in, in making a set list. Like every every note of it, every song is perfect to hit that right note with the crowd to, to get the crowd going and, and yeah, given the flyer from the beginning. Like, this crowd this crowd didn't want to have to sit through a three or four or five slow burn open that they, they were ready to go. Yeah, and look, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right. It is a master class of, you know, in reading the room and figuring out okay you know we have to come out explosive because they're they're ready they're antsy and and honestly the band has got to be antsy too you know for how many times have they played Wrigley up to this point they what did we and what did we say last week they have a lot to live up to reputation wise so this is another big big show for them after giving a fly after you get all the enthusiastic stuff, you know, you get him changing the lyrics to made it out to Wrigley, felt the rain and the breeze, and you get the crowd erupting when they said, well, fuckers, like, there are so many things going on in there, like, the crowd just wanted so badly to have that moment, that that one just stood out, but you get to follow that 
why go go last exit minor matters evolution this is a not fucking around set list that's what makes this so good and and you know they're not trying to do you know maybe sometimes they'll throw in a a rare gem or you know uh something that might be a little bit off balance this is all stuff everybody knows and everybody's going to get in right away they have you know their chanting songs call and response songs their dancing songs everything about this is is absolutely magnificent yeah we hadn't really had a a little punk rock set like this at any of the other wrigley shows like a lot of them had they just kind of worked into it really slowly and kind of a mid-tempo thing but this this one is is structured a little more like an arena show like they they had to get this crowd going right from the very beginning and oh the, these songs are perfect like why go go last exit mind your manners do the evolution like and again it's it's 10 versus vitality lightning bolt yield like perfectly constructed he has this crowd eating out of his hands and and not only that but Think about the actual individual performances of these songs. And I think the best example of these five is probably Go. It's just smooth sounding. Usually when they play a Go or a Why Go and they wanna they wanna get the crowd they wanna get the crowd moving, they wanna get the crowd up, they, they they'll tend to play it a little bit faster, they'll tend to go off the edge a little bit. These performances are all just silky butter smooth. Like there's no hiccup. There's no, all right, we're just going to rush through it because, you know, we, we had such a delay and, and let's just let's just get every, to everything fast. Everything that they're playing here has a little bit of a groove and, and it's just, it's amazing that they're able to manage this group of songs and make it sound like that as well. Oh yeah, and Last Exit for me is the one too. Like We talk about it sometimes where it kind of, doesn't have the same bite that it did, you know, 20, 25 years ago. But this is a, this is a great version of Last Exit for 2018. I was I was super impressed. Just letting the drums just hang out there, and then giving McCready a little bit of the platform. And I think McCready was fantastic in Why Go, and, and like McCready's fantastic on this whole show. Like, there's no, uh, you know, there there's no doubt about it. But there there's something to be said about them being amped up and them figuring out a way to elicit that energy without going totally overboard. And, and they absolutely nailed it. This, this whole section is, is fantastic. Oh, absolutely. And then you get the, you know, we, we get those covers that we always get at Wrigley in the main set. And I was confused by this, this first one. I thought, I thought it sounded a little bit like daughter at the very beginning. That didn't strike me. That didn't strike me at all, but huh, that's it. That's interesting that you mentioned that. Just that um, first few seconds, it sounded like sounds very similar to daughter. Hmm. Okay, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that a little bit more closely because maybe I was just sort of thinking that hey, this is this is rain and 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 that's it. But um, yeah, you might have a point there. Uh, but yeah, two covers pretty early. That's something that's not like it's it, it's not preferred necessarily but you also when you get rain you kind of it's it's sort of tongue-in-cheek and it's sort of making fun of the fact that hey out of five shows you know two of them we've dealt with this and and it's a throwback to the first Wrigley 2016 one that, that we covered and I think at this point people probably recognize this song a lot more than they did when when you saw it that year. I, I believe so yeah, I think that's probably true 
because they, they they you know they became a little bit more known for it. And yeah, how how are they not going to play it after everything that happened? Of course, yeah. And, and look, you know, if they if they didn't open the show with Wash, I'm sure they would have tried to throw Wash somewhere too. Like you know, it, it's it's these puns and kind of these connections that they can make with Wrigley that that really stick with you. So yeah, Rain has really kind of become the Wrigley song. So if they play there in 2021, like you can almost expect to see it at one of those shows that I'm thinking at this point. Well, it'll probably be raining at at least one of them, so yeah. <laughs> Given the odds, of, of course, yeah. Um, yeah, but he, he does kind of, he gets a little bit emotional before getting it to do the evolution too, and he, he makes a little bit of a toast to the history of the park and, you know, uh, the people with the positive energy, and that that's one thing, you know, coming out of the gate right before giving a fly, he just says, look, you all... You all sat through this. You all did a good job, and and we're gonna we're gonna reward you for that. Like that's just to know that that's coming. That's got to give you that goosebump feel before just roaring into all of this that that we're touching up on now. But yeah, um, it almost reminded me of that Pink Bob '92, that famous speech where he's like, you uh, know, you survived gosh. today. You know that. Yeah. It just, yeah, it kind of gives you chills. Right. Of course. I mean. Pink Pop, man, that's that's that is a that is a strong, strong comparison to make, and uh, you know what? It might be justified when looking back a little bit on history. It might be justified on this. So, um, yeah, the other cover here is, is "Throw Your Hatred Down," and um, we're we're in the 25th anniversary of Mirrorball, so this is kind of interesting that that it's getting brought up here. And they went back to it a few times during the Home and Away shows. I think they did it at one of the Seattle shows in, in Missoula. They do it here, and they don't do it at Fenway. But, um, yeah, like, as good of a time as ever to, to, to bust it out. And they, you know, they're getting a little bit political. Some of the other covers that came from this weekend were a little bit political. And uh, I think it worked. Like, look, they cover Neil just as well as anybody does absolutely love this this is one of my top two or three covers that they do i really hope they keep keep it in the repertoire because it sounds great it's it's got a great drive to it it's it's perfect for the middle of a set like this i i absolutely love it it's it's one of the highlights of the show for me Kind of hint at you know we, we mentioned that that mirror balls in, in its anniversary we can kind of hint I know our patrons know this but there's going to be something very mirror ball specific coming within the next couple weeks so if you are a fan of Neil Jam look out because I think we got something pretty exciting for you on the horizon so uh, more more to come on that 
hint, hint. Um, even flow section here, and it's you know all I can say is you know they, it had a little bit of a, a hiccup somewhere in there where right from the chorus into the verse they something happens and and they decide to keep playing and Ed sort of gives his best Adam Sandler uh, vampire impersonation uh, just yeah, the, the, the opera man the yeah, opera, opera man, man that's yeah. A, yeah. Um, but look, you know, he admires Mike and Matt after this. And when, when is there not a version of even flow where he just takes a second? And he's like, Mike, Matt, this is fantastic. Always has to do it. Oh yeah. A lot of times he'll, he'll even leave the stage cause that that's his moment to go get a drink and rest the voice a little bit. Of course. Of course. Uh, good section coming up here, and uh, I want to throw it back to our panel for a second because uh, they were really, uh, really high on, on this part, especially you. Uh, so we're going to throw it back to them, and then we're going to get our, our reaction to all this. So let's uh, let's listen into them. Loved it. Um, you was a discussion on the drive home. I'm like, dude, why... <laughs> It's like a top 40 hit. Like this is, <laughs> this, this is an excellent pop song, man. And maybe just this performance, I was very feeling it. Um, it's not, you know, overthinking anything. It's just very verse, chorus, verse, bridge. Like I, I think it's excellent. And this was a very, very fun version. And as far as like that super special, rare, deep cut, uh, count me in. Love that. Thursday night and so we went up to like Wrigleyville just to bum around because we heard they're gonna do sound checks and it, I think if I remember correctly you was one of them and so the fact that we didn't hear it the first night uh, it was like aha you know there it is so that's mm-hmm. what I remember when I, I heard it yeah I had also heard I had also heard I didn't I wasn't there to hear this the sound check but on the message boards or somewhere online somewhere uh, the songs they had performed um, you know, I don't say leaks, but I, I had come across them, and so I thought the same thing was when they didn't play it the first night. I kind of thought that they might play it the second night, and I had never seen it before. So I'm, I'm always willing. I always like to see songs I've never seen before. You know, obviously Pearl Jam originals, and uh, so it's you know it's and it's all it had always been one of my favorite B sides. It's just you know it's just catchy as hell, and it's just a just a nice little fun you know happy song.
Pine Tree Immortality. Like, I feel like these just they're amazing ballpark songs. If if these two aren't in your top ten, we have very very different opinions of Pearl Jam. Um, in my tree is not in my top ten. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, Randy. That's, that's, <laughs> but it's I a mean, little bit later. Immortality right? is number two on my list. So Ooh, spo- spoiler, yeah, spoiler, I haven't got to listen oh, to. Oh, uh, sorry. Whoops, my bad. In my in my tree. I love in my tree. Back and... back with mortality. Wow. Th- this is uh and then daughter with this okay. Uh this was this part of the set list was written with me in mind. So 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 good. My favorites. Um just I'm totally, totally in the zone here. That uh that back to back stretch of those two, very, very special. Great versions of both. Um you know, immortality just screaming into the night sky. What time is it at this point? Maybe pushing midnight almost like after they would have gone off on a normal show, right? Mm-hmm. And just knowing, like, I remember thinking that in the moment, like, how special is this? We're at the ballpark, we're in like extra innings or rain delay or whatever. And, you know, Mike's playing this solo to immortality. Like, you know, this rain delay suck, but right now life is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I will say that uh, both, yeah, again, both In My Tree and Immortality are two other songs that I will take every night, anytime I can see them. They just, there are two songs also that I think I, like when I was start starting getting into Pearl Jam, they were low on my radar. And it wasn't until seeing them live that I, like, I felt them, so to speak. And so it, it made me like them even more, or the, the songs rather. And so now, like I said, it's just like I said it. I feel it through my bones when they put those songs, and I, I will take them every show. This is a pretty strong section. I mean, you, pretty rare so- song that, that hadn't been played in 80 shows before this, In My Tree and Immortality, which are like two of the very, very, very high, highly regarded songs on, on the fans list. So, I mean, John, I know that those are two of your absolute favorite. In My Tree is your absolute favorite. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, and you still haven't heard it live yet, so, uh, you know. To these are like perfect ballpark show songs in my. Oh, eyes. these three, these three back to back, I would have been just in a puddle on the ground. Yeah, to get to get these three, like I, I love you. It's one of my favorite B sides, and in my tree, 
obviously amazing. Alex, you had a, a, a really good moment here with In My Tree, so why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I, when I was little, In My Tree was one of my favorite songs off of No Code, probably my most favorite song. And when I heard it in Moline, I, I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And I was kind of sad that I didn't get it in Seattle in the first show when I had GA. But then coming down to Chicago with and hearing it, I just had, it just struck me like a lightning bolt. Like I felt so much energy during that song. And I just remember screaming the lyrics during the song because it was like, I had so much fun and just had such a relationship with the song. and was so happy to hear it live again. Now, when they did it in Moline, did you realize at that moment what they were doing? Um... Kind of, not really. It was still early in the set. I think it was fifth song in the set. So I think people weren't really connecting the dots for a little bit. But I, I could see where you can make that assumption. But I oh, didn't realize sure. that because I, yeah. Was still, yeah, because I was still yeah. really, really wanted, young at that time. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's a fair point. But yeah, look, uh, just remembering that, that, you know, the accidental... Uh, drum beat of who you are to, that was in my tree and Jeff kind of screwing up on that bass line almost them forgetting their own album was was sort of the 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 hint hint and all that but yeah like to, to get that song twice in a very short span is, is uh, definitely a lucky little stretch for you I love the little like goodbye improv that they do afterwards yeah that was cool you yeah know, perfect now, perfect now, is that considered the intro to Immortality, or is it considered the outro to In My Tree? I just considered it like a bridge between the two. Okay. Because yeah. it kind of had that feel of like it could have been a going into the arpeggiated intro, but they, uh, mm-hmm. they, they kept off of it. But it sounds really, really good. Speaking of stretches, we get sort of a hit stretch here that really works fantastically. Daughter, Unthought Known, Jeremy, all back to back to back. Um, Daughter's the highlight of all this for me, and I think it's the crowd. They were just, at this point, they were still so hungry for this. I, I feel like maybe at this point, the, um, the rain delay felt like it was so long ago and it was finally off their minds i know it was raining a little bit into the set probably during go and and minor matters and all them but um yeah at at this point that has to be in the past and when i'm realizing in, in daughter when they do that call and response and they come out of it right away it's almost like ed has to just sort of redirect his way of his approach with the song because the crowd is so strong Oh yeah, and you get that it's okay tag, which is just perfect for the for the setting and everything, like going back to the Cubs and everything, like it all ties in together. And yeah, this version of Daughter, like after those after those three, like you and my train immortality, Daughter is is one that's just gonna get everybody back. And like I talked about, the set construction is immaculate. Like there's there's not a, a bad song that's placed in the wrong place. And we talk about that a lot where, you know, oh, this could have been here, this could have been here, but this is absolutely perfect. And yeah, Daughter is, is a highlight too. Yeah, he's 
he's got the crowd eating out of his hands, like I said before. He also went on a little bit of a political rant during that song where he's like talking about like how if women don't hit the polls, like ages th- 18 to 35 can make a difference in the polls because there's so many law there were so many laws regarding women at that time and he kind of went on a rant it was really powerful and then after that going into it's okay it was just a great moment very like such a high regard of that moment during that show for me to get the respect of those around her to be treated as an equal and be paid as an equal in the workplace
can't vote is saying that that is powerful. Get your asses out there to go vote, people. That's, uh, yeah, that's that's a statement if I've ever heard one before. So, yeah, I, again, when Ed can get that platform and, you know, speak on behalf of, of something really important, abs- absolutely, it becomes a very strong moment. And especially when he's... Uh, when he's singling out women and, and giving them and empowering them to go do something special. Always, always amazing. Uh, slow Patriot here. You got Fast Patriot after Masters of War, Night 1, Wrigley 16. Slow Patriot comes back. And I thought it really worked. You, you, after Jeremy, I think there was a lot of intensity coming from both Unthought None and Jeremy. Uh, there was just so much going on. You, the, they're such great hit songs. They they kind of filled the atmosphere, and Jeremy sort of needs a little bit of a come down. So to have that almost like a bridge that you know uh, that beginning of Patriot and then speeding into the fast part, I thought that that was a really good choice too. Oh yeah, the again the the crowd in Jeremy is unbelievable, and then to come back with something like Patriot after Jeremy it's it's great and like there's there's nothing like hearing Jeremy with 50 60,000 people screaming at the end it's perfect and also um in Jeremy I was going to add on in Jeremy also I just rem- I don't know if you could tell on the bootleg but I just remember hearing the roar when they first had when Jeff did that baseline right at the beginning and like people were so hungry for that like I don't know what it was about that song, but it was such a emotional song for that crowd at that time. Because I just remember being shocked by the noise that it made. I can't even like, it's just uncomparable what I heard at that time. And, and then in Patriot getting that, the, in Seattle also, this was a better version in my opinion, because of the slow version in the beginning and just the build up to, from that song. Yeah, and look, I think Jeremy is one of those songs that kind of brings people together and can bridge the gap between the young fans and the older fans and the fans who might be attending with a friend that aren't massive fans. I think everybody's always going to have a reaction to that. I always go back to that Made in America show where you know nobody was reacting to things like unemployable and save you but boy when jeremy hit it, you know it woke them up so yeah of course that kind of atmosphere you're going to have everybody getting up on that so yeah I, again this is middle of set and sometimes middle of the set you can find lulls in, in points i i don't think that this set lulls at all this is this is pretty well put together and and again like almost no fucking around almost no bullshit so um after the slow version of patriot you get the finishing of the main set with lucan and porch and there's no finger in a woman's face at, at this uh, version of luke <laughs> and so you don't get that yeah. but you do get a little bit of almost a reprise a- after it where he's, he's singing i'm going to wrigley's uh give me a spot at murphy's like that that's a that's a cool little thing that doesn't get thrown into that song very often i'm gonna wrigley i got my spot at wrigley not the door wrigley open the fridge then I go to Murphy. 
yeah, it's just another another way for them to kind of like tailor the set to the venue like they do. And you get that a lot in this. Like, and I'm not a fan of a lot of this. Like we talked about before where I think they, they sometimes pander to Chicago and the Cubs. And they, like we talked about that version of Not For You that really didn't need that whole Cubs section to it. I think it kind of took away from the song. I think in a song like that or a song like Corduroy can take it away. But in something like this, like, yeah, if, if you're using it kind of afterwards and I don't want to shout out the the guitar tone on Lucan 2. It sounds perfect, like almost just like the album like that. It's almost like a clean guitar sound. It's I it really took me back to, to hearing it in those those early, you know, mid 90s versions. It was fantastic. And yeah that this 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 is kind of like how they've they've come to end the set that they they like doing this this penultimate Lucan here. Yeah, uh and going into porch which is always kind of like your your pre-party before you get in into the encore um and, and this was really utilized just about every single show in 2018 that they were doing this. So, yeah, like it's your signal that, you know, the end of the main set is here, but boy, they get they get 18 songs out there and and this moves. This is so f- it it's not just fast, but it's like it's all happening in such slow motion but when it's over it uh you look back on it you're like where where the hell did that go Uh, like that i get that i get that vibe from this but porch uh ending the main set uh like what's what's going through your head on this alex i know look porch has probably played every show that you've been to at this point but like this is always a a show a song that just elicits so much energy out of out there yeah, definitely. So this kind of goes back to Wrigley 2013. And I just remember when they were coming to the end of the show, I just remember hearing that slow riff in the beginning where you call Porch Blues when they do the, the where 90s on the guitar and the op- the, then he just opens it up and then it all rises up. I just remember that moment. I still remember that moment and will remember that moment for the rest of my life. And, it, and then coming to 2018, being in the same venue, and then I just remember Mike was had an amazing solo on the song, and then I just remember dancing so much and having so much fun that someone three rows back behind me was recording me dance. I don't know why, but I guess I had just had so much energy. I actually fell on my seat because I jumped in the air so high that I tripped on the seat, and I just... <laughs> Yeah, I was just having so much fun. I was like, there's no better way to end this set off with that. Yeah, and look, you know, going back to everything that happened prior, like that's your moment to sort of realize that, hey, we may not have gotten to this point. There might not have been a porch. There might not have been, you know, a a given a fly to open up. And there might not have been, you know, all that's opening up this encore here so yeah like that, that's that's a good moment for anybody that i think uh only hours ago was was sitting there drenched wondering whether or not uh you know things things would go down the way they, the way they did um all right let's uh let's pick it up back in the encore a little bit and we 
start off a little bit of a tribute to Jack White. Uh, Eddie comes out with a Chris Chelios jersey, though, and lays it over the amp. And uh, that'll be important in just a second. But he is out here alone and is talking a little bit about Jack White. It's really something, it's just like him smoking pot in the scoreboard, and he just kind of keeps going on and on, which is just, you know, it is what it is. So he talks about like, Oh, uh, the the bands. This is going to be the last time because I'm going to have. They offered me a job in the scoreboard, right. so I won't yeah, be able to tour right. from April to October. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you know we haven't had an October tour since 2014, so I think people are already saying, "Hey, what what the hell? Like, you know, Ed, go back on tour. Stop stop following the Cubs around for the postseason." I, I, you know, wonder if that's that's kind of. Uh, on their mind during all that. But, um, yeah, like, like this, this cover coming up here, you know, it's, it's a white stripes cover. They did it at the home home show. Uh, I think it was night one and they kind of did a little bit of tribute to Olivia and Harper's teachers, which was kind of nice. But here, John, like you said, it, it's more Wrigley pandering. It's like off to Wrigley at the games, stuff like that. And it's just kind of, I don't know. I, I, don't I don't really care for him just doing the song if you're going to do something Ed Solo I won't back down as great and imagine is it gets pretty good but I'm not I'm not really huge on this yeah I didn't really it, it probably would have been my favorite my first choice to hear this one but again it's it's a rare thing it's only been played twice so it's cool. It's, it's got a little bit of a lilt to it. It's just a nice thing to do. It's a, it's a nice song, it's, and it gives him a chance to kind of improv the lyrics a little bit, like you talked about. But, yeah, I would have, I would have liked to uh, thought it would have been nice to give another shout-out to some teachers, especially now with what we're going through now. That's even more appropriate. Yeah, I would think that this song, if, if not this song coming back, then, then something getting thrown in there where there's a dedication to teachers, nurses, doctors, uh, frontline workers, all that. Yeah, I, I, I would expect all that to be coming. Uh, Alex, you you had a point that you wanted to make on uh, on the Jack White stuff. Hearing it in Seattle, it was kind of like weird when he brought up the Wrigley thing. It was like, oh, that's a lyric change. And when he did the, like he did an entire verse just dedicated to Wrigley. And it was kind of cool because... I grew up near the city, and when he brought up Addison Bound and the Grabman's Mitt and walking to the Wrigley Field, it was just a powerful moment for the city and just me during that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's for like sure. he was kind of channeling his childhood a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the familiar places around and kind of giving you the sights and smells of what it really is like to be, be in Wrigleyville. I think he. Uh, out of out of anybody that is a massive Cubs fan or, or Chicagoite, uh, he just paints the perfect picture of all that. So absolutely. Um, then you get a nice little tribute after that, and uh, you bring out Chris Chelios, who has the World Series trophy in tow, and he brings out a jersey of Stan Mikita's as well, and he lays it aside his own jersey that Ed brought out prior to uh, we're going to be friends. So. This is dedicated to Stan Mikita, and it's a really, really nice moment. And, you know, I, I any time that Ed will put together a tribute for a legend or a hometown hero, it's just it's just something real special. I, I like, and you can't go wrong with come back. It's always 
during an emotional moment and yeah i think a lot of people in the city of chicago really felt this one yeah i thought it was great and he asked everybody again like he did for for tom petty and i won't back down he asked everybody to kind of turn their turn their lights on their phones and kind of do the fireflies thing which is which is a cool moment when you've got you know fifty thousand people there doing it you kind of brought it up with just the lights in the moment with stan with chris chelios up there and just the I think Stan died like a week before that or two weeks before the show. It was just a really great moment and well, great but sad also. But it was just awesome seeing the Firefly moment with the lights. And you know, and they had the Bulls yeah. moment. You had a bunch of Cubs moments, so it was only fair that they spread the love around and give the Blackhawks a moment. No Bears moments. They never did anything for the Bears, and I think. I mean, he wears that Walter Payton jersey to a lot of shows. Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't wear it in Chicago, which I found a little bit suspect. He was wearing the Murphy shirt, and I think he busted out a Theo Epstein shirt at some point at this show. So yeah, like no, he, I think maybe in one of the shows he mentioned Walter Payton real quick, but no, no Bears references, and you know, hmm. I, maybe Bears have to win a little bit more. Who knows? <laughs> Or, or lose for 100 years. That too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which which is coming pretty close, I suppose. Um, all right. Yeah, this is, look, this encore is just strong after this point. It's all of your, your greatest hits moments and a couple of surprises. But, uh, you know, corduroy in the encore, obviously not something you get every day in the encore. Black lightning bolt being thrown in a very important spot that this song is now sort of grandfathered into uh and rearview mirror to end this sort of section you can't really say it's ending the first encore because they didn't really go anywhere so it's sort of ending the first section of the encore so yeah like this is all bam you're 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 coming out with something real emotional and then you're just smacking them across the face with all the hits Oh yeah, and you get you get another Cubs moment in Corduroy, uh, a little Go Cubs Go chant at the end. Go Cubs Go! Go Cubs Go! Go Cubs Go! Black again. The the McCready solo is amazing in Black. We talked about him earlier and what a great show it was for him. I thought this was maybe his best Black Wrigley performance. And there's other fantastic solo lighting bolt, like you mentioned, just a sign of respect for that song and and how it's come in the five years since its release at this point. I think it's it's earned that place in the encore and it's it's a fantastic live song. It's probably the best song on that record. And yeah, I think it absolutely it absolutely can hold here in between black and rear view mirror. When you're thinking about songs that just feel big uh, it doesn't really matter what era it's from. Like that one, it gets people clapping. It has different parts, and it just has an electricity to it. No pun intended. And obviously, you know, there was rain in the skies that day. They had to put it off. So, of course, why not play Lightning Bolt? And also, it's tied to Wrigley because that's where uh, they debuted it in 2013. True. True. So, yeah, that's a good yeah. Point. so you know. To, to bring it in a, a good spot, I think a lot of people would probably think back to that. Like, hey, I, I remember in 2013 where I saw it here and uh, them bringing it back was was a great, another great moment. But, like, yeah, I, 
when do you ever get corduroy and black back to back? Like that's just yeah. That's that's a that's a lethal combo right there. And then also in black, black was such a powerful moment too when he just did the end and ever and I think he did. I don't know what you call that, but I would call it kind of the wave when he does the side to side. It was just a because they I think they lowered the lights down and it was just like it was such a it just felt like a crowd just a community all around because Wrigley it felt like a community everybody just doing the do 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 just everyone it was just an amazing moment yeah for sure I I think you're you're you hit the nail on the head with that whenever Black shows up at a big show it does become close knit and everybody feels like they're a part of something together. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Uh yeah, you can't really pass up on that big of a song and that big of a moment and this was a, a perfect show for that. So we get to the second I guess the second section of the encore instead of calling this encore to any other night this would fairly obviously be uh be encore to but they kind of really don't know what to do here before getting into it ed says we have a little bit of time so let's not go anywhere let's let's you know let's just finish this up we have till midnight and uh it seemed like smile was a request from the crowd and uh and they they own up to it and they switch they switch instruments over and then there it is yeah, Smile's always a cool moment, and to get, you know, another song off a of no-code in, in an encore two like this is perfect. You know, they, and we've seen them do, you know, Last Kiss in this spot, we've seen them do some of, this would normally be like a, like a Surrender or something, and I, I was super happy to hear Smile at this point, it, it's another one that just, it, 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 this is where it becomes a party, like everyone's having a great time. Yeah, what was that, what was that crowd like after all that, I mean, you're getting, you're getting like 11:30-ish time right now. I know, you know, a min- midnight show is not a a huge leap from what they usually do, but you know, the place has still got to be rocking. I'm sure. Yeah, but it was with smile coming from Rareview Mirror, and it was just kind of in the crowd. It was kind of confusing because they were like they were kind of all walking off stage, and then they come back, and Eddie's like, "Where's my shirt?" trying to get his Theo Epstein shirt. It was just kind of confusing. And then having, he's like, we're just going to play a request. And they just have Smile, which is kind of slow down coming from every mirror. And then they have this big OTOTO coming up right after this. That's very true. Yeah, we get an OTOTO to this point. But we think that this will be the OTOTO of this. So... Evil Little Goat was on the set list night one. It was there, and a lot of people said were you know there were some mumblings like, "Hey, it got scratched off. Could they do it in night two? Well, we uh, we brought this up with our panel, so we're going to get to our panel about uh, both Evil Little Goat and a little bit of Leash afterwards because that combo was absolutely one of the, one of the best combos of the night, or at least most surprising combos of the night. And uh, then we'll bounce back to us, and and uh, we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's that's the first thing I thought of when when you know when it was uh, on on the set list or whatever when you heard it is just you know because of how often um, you know the goat or just you know just the animal the goat is associated with the cub so much that it kind of felt like it was uh, um, that that's I just assumed that's why they had thought of it or maybe someone suggested it or uh, you know I don't I don't know how it got in their minds but you know again it's one of those where it's like 
you know, would I have asked for it? Probably not, but am I glad I saw it? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I would say that like all, like a lot of the ballpark shows kind of, it seems like at least through 20, all the four shows in 2016, counting the two Fenway shows, um, you know, it seemed like they pulled something out that was either very, very low played or like hadn't been played like heart, you know, Angel was one of them. Yeah. Uh, Strange Tribe. Strange Tribe and Let Me Sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, you know, those were all very cool to see. Um, and and so so I guess I should say I'm not surprised that they pulled something out like this, but I still am kind of surprised they pulled this one out. <laughs> Yeah. So what? What's what's the crowd? What's the reaction to this? Are people? There gotta like there gotta be people that are like, what the fuck? This is insane. There gotta be people that are just like, what the fuck? Is this insane? Yeah, I uh, tapped out from being in the thick of it on the floor and backed off a little bit. Um, so it was very much like. 90% of people were like, what is this garbage? And 10% were like, you know, we're looking into the eyes of Christ. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> How many more would you put ahead of for the serious collector? Right. I mean, like what's more rare, weird. You're just certain it's not going to get played. Like there's not many, right? nothing. nothing. This is, this is right. the one. The, right. the, this is the weirdest one in their catalog to, to do like this. Like maybe whale song. Cause the guy who sings this not in the band, like right. Grammy, one, if Grammy not, up there. Grammy. The, yeah, the, this is, this is more than that. Yeah. You're, I, you're talking about a song that was only, it was recorded on Ed's Walkman during the first rehearsal sessions. And like, I had a copy of it. Like you could get it on the, the bootleg of like those rehearsal demos, but yeah, it never. It was just an improv. They just made it up on the spot. It was just like it was nothing. Right? Is is this even a song territory? Right. right? This is this yeah. is the rarest song that's ever been played by Pearl Jam. Just like, hey, here's something for the serious collectors. It's like, you know, as some, you know, somebody thought of it, this does fit. You know, it makes halfway sense. And um, just what a like, uh, you know, jaw dropping. Like, what in the world is this? I didn't think they were going to play it, even though I saw it cross off in the set list. I'm like, dude, this nonsense is not going to be played. Certainly not in this time crunch time. Like you know, see you next year. Like we'll, we'll try again at these next up forthcoming shows. So 
it's only like a minute or two long. So right. if, if they're going to crunch, you know, that's a good one to crunch. There you go. Add another, yeah. add another track to the, the number of songs played. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. And I agree. Like, like if they were going to play it, it seems like this was the only setting fitting for it. Like you can, I mean, you know, you, you can't see, hear this in just like some you know ran, random show or, uh, you know, or really any of the other ballparks. It just wouldn't feel right. It didn't make sense. And this one just, it, it felt like it was, uh, like I said, if it was going to be played, it had to have been, you know, there, you know, otherwise, you know, who knows. But and never good. again, you guys. This is no way. O T O T O, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, and it dovetails into the only possible song you could have played after it, which is unlike, you know, we were we're screwing around. Here's this nonsense, um, you know, just something for the hardcores and the OGs to just, you know, bring you back to reality and to knock your dick right in the dirt. Like, God, what a great version of Leash. Like, it's so late at night at this point. Um, this was just what the doctor ordered. And you knew <laughs> you knew we were winding down. And just to get one more um, that's not, uh, to, to quote Randy, the, the bread and butter, um, Leash was, was very, very welcome, uh, that we weren't going to go right from Eat a Little Goat into the Alive Riff. So very, very welcome surprise for Leash for me and, uh, excellent. Yeah. And I, 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 yeah. I, I feel like, especially in, in Seattle, I feel like there was more of a push for Leash than there usually is. I, I feel like there were tons of play leash you pussy signs and and <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it, it was out there there more on that show. The, the only thing I was going to add is that I think that like yeah, I think it was just like by that point at the night, and it's also kind of the tail end of a long weekend, and it's just uh, you're a little delirious, and uh, let's just rock out one more time. Yep. <laughs> excitement and enthusiasm coming off of, of goat and leash just kind of that takes it and, and runs with it because i don't think anybody at this point was expecting that oh yeah it's, it's the perfect way to segue out of evil and goat to get to get a song like this that again a lot of people know everybody had verses so everybody knows it and it's yeah the, this one two punch is fantastic you finish off alive 
kind of signals that the end of the night is coming. And they played Ledbetter the night before. They played Rocket in the Free World the night before. So I think this is pretty obvious to go to Baba here. The and that's what they they close the set with. But it's pretty special because you got Ed with the blue Telecaster out there. You got Danny Clinch playing their harmonica, and there's just so much going on on stage. And they're really it feels like they're about to tear the place down and just you know taking that last moment of playing Wrigley that year. Yeah, it's a fantastic way to end. And Baba is an underrated closer. I think it's you know it's doing the windmills and the all the towns and moves and everything and it's it's great and the the crowd gets to scream that it's only teenage wasteland it's a great way to send these people out. Are you ready? Let's go. Don't cry. Also, in a lot, I don't know what it is about these Wrigley performances. Alive always seems so powerful. Going back to 2016, it feels like they have such a good energy during that song with Eddie jumping off the um, speaker at the end of 2016. And then with this version, I think they added a little something. I can't remember, but it's, it, I feel like he just said, Come on, Wrigley, or something like that. And he had the crowd just yelling the lyrics back at him. And then after that, going into Baba, just everybody jumping with the bass drum and just having Danny come on stage with their harmonica and then Eddie just destroying a guitar after, at the end of the song. It was just a great way to end it off with. Yeah, look, alive, you know, you're going to get it every night, but it's one of those things where it's it's your achievement that you unlock to almost like you're you're fought through the rain and you got through you know the whole entire set list and and it's your it's your moment to really celebrate everything that has happened you know it's it's a job well done for the show and uh really you almost can't go wrong with uh with playing it every night so yeah bring bring the party bring it to the stage bring it to the crowd ed you know the curse has been reversed for a long time on that and he feels real good about it and he feels real good about sharing with it and you know very good ending here to a very who this is this is a really so I, I I'm curious at the ratings here because I don't I really don't know what what I want to rate it yet I, I I might kind of bounce some ideas off but uh, this is this is a like you said John an immaculately created set list so Absolutely. let's uh, let's let's figure out uh, what your guys favorite moments are Alex you want to you want to pick three here I'll go so. I would say my third favorite moment was comeback. And my second one was the, with the comeback. It was just the lights and everything. Sam Makita was just all those emotions coming together, which just made it a really great moment for the entire crowd. And then in my tree, just having, I just got hit by a lightning bolt in that song, just having so much energy and having so much fun screaming the lyrics and, I feel like most Pearl Jam fans, No Code is a huge album for them. So when you get a No Code song, everyone's going to have a lot of energy. And I just felt that with myself. And then just Porch, it was just something about this version, man. I just had something came out of me that I did. It was just a different animal. And I think it was just going back to 2013 and hearing 
what I heard as a kid and what kind of led me to the fan I am today. It just had that emotion that I'll never forget. Well, we'll have to go check TikTok and see if we can find that video of you. <laughs> <laughs> Did you make the big screen as a, like a a thirteen year old dancing around? No, well, so our seats were bit high back but and the seattle show i did but hopefully i can tell that story a different time hmm. okay which is kind of an interesting story little, little teaser there Good. i like that hey all right well we'll have to see when that comes up for sure uh so yeah my three moments uh my number three is throw your hatred down that was a nice surprise in the middle of the set i thought they absolutely nailed it i like i said i really hope it sticks around and i would love to see it someday i thought it was perfect uh, my number two is the the segue in my tree into that little improv into immortality. Thought it was beautiful, fantastic, perfect. You know what? What can you say? Th- those two songs together is is absolutely amazing. And my number one, how can it not be Evil Little Goat? Like that's that's the moment that that people still go, holy shit, they actually did it. And it's like I said, it's it's the fan service moment. It's it's the the band saying thank you to the to the crowd for sticking with them through the Wrigley shows through all their history it's it's just a little a nice thing to to give to them to put in their back pocket so though those are my three I was much happier getting out of my mind at Fenway the next week I I I, I was I was I was very happy with out of my mind and and getting it and getting to hear all the people brag about evil little goat I felt like getting that i'm like all right we 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 got something too you know like they they spread the wealth a little bit so that was that was nice but yeah uh, evil little goat has to be on the list somewhere i'm gonna i'm just gonna keep it on the sidelines for a second as i kind of speak my way through it but uh given a fly has to be in my top three because it just it felt so powerful that they're coming out with this moment and um you know they're not up to their usual bag of tricks. And I, I just remember they even brought this back night to of Fenway. This is, you know, they, they did the same thing. They're like, how are we going to come back from a good show the night before you got to start off hot. And I think maybe if they were playing more shows in 2019, if they played some, I would think that given the fly would come up more often in, uh, in those spots to, to get that jolt and to start off that way. So given the fly is up there. I think that the daughter it's okay. Tag is there just cause you know, the crowd was just so passionate on it. It felt like they wanted to erupt immediately after the song ended getting into the tag. And then of course the emotional response from Ed's uh, little political rant with, uh, uh, right go- before going into it's okay and and yeah evil little goat has to be in the top three so um mix mix them up however you want here uh i'm fine with giving either of these the one two or three i'm maybe argue that you know given a fly might be one and evil little goat might be two and uh and daughter it's okay might be three so there there you go we worked it out but um let's uh let's figure out a rating for this because i want to see what you guys got so I'm going to cheat a little bit and I'm going to let you guys go first. So then I can kind of see where I am with this. I'll go 9.5 out of 10. I feel like if, if it was just a little bit more songs, even though they had the thing, but 9.5 out of 10, I feel like is a very, very high rating for the show. And for as much fun as I did and comparing them to the 
two shows I had before this. It was just a great way to end off, end it off with. So nine point five. I think that's I think that's fair, and I think, like I said at the beginning, this is an absolute masterclass in set construction. There's there's not a thing wrong with it, and with that said, like I I think you have to you have to go with what you're given. And I, I think for the for the circumstances, for everything that went on the day, for all the nods back to the previous shows, for the mixing up the, the hits and the rare songs and the covers perfectly, that this is a 10 out of 10. It's For me, it's only just percentage points behind night two of 2016. But yeah, these night two shows are special. So I give this one a perfect 10. All right. Uh, that, that makes my decision a little bit harder because... Um... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to give this a t- I don't have this as as a 10 show. Um I think you all know by now that I don't really hand out 10s. Uh, uh I'm like I'm in the 9 range. I'm in the 9 like I I thought the setlist was fantastically done. I thought the reaction to the rainfall and just the day itself and then you know coming out and giving the crowd a, a boost of energy right away with given fly and all those songs in the beginning go and and why go and all that um i think it was great um maybe you know outside of the evil little goat and the you i think there were a lot of hits at this show and maybe that doesn't have this show stick out as much as it would and and I don't even know if that's the right thing to say because again, evil little goat is the the rarest of the rare. But like, give me one more rare song off yield. Give me a binaural song. Give me something like that instead of uh, an unthought known or or something. I, and maybe that's just me nitpicking a little bit. But uh, outside of that, I think John. I think you said that given the circumstances, they wanted to put together a show that just about everybody was going to react to, um, you know, from top to the bottom, from the young fan to the, to the longtime fan. And I think, I think they provided that. And, uh, I, that's, I, I don't think that this is their best Wrigley effort, but I think it does deserve a solid nine. So that's what I will go with. So that's it. That is, that is Wrigley month for you all. I can't believe that we got through it. And, um, I can't, I can't believe it's over. It kind of happened in a flash. It kind of happened in an instant. But, uh, Alex, we're, uh, we thank you for joining us and sharing your stories here uh, yeah, with us. You. And, uh, yeah, thank you for being a part of it. Yeah, um, thank you so much for letting me be a part of it. And on behalf of all Patreon members and all the fans of this show, I just really want to thank you for having an amazing month, organizing all the interviews, doing all this work to – make us have fun and enjoy listening to the show. So thank you guys so much. Thanks. Hey, this is, this is what it's all about. You know, we're just much of a fan of this as, as, as you all are. So we just want to get everybody to engage as much as possible. And, and I'm glad that so many people were, were into this because this, this meant a lot to both John and I. So, uh, no thanks go out to us. Thanks go out to you because without you guys, we'd just be continuing to do around the world stuff, but we really want to do something special for all the people out there and get their stories and get all, all the scope of, of what these shows were about. And I think we hit every single storyline, every single, every single thing that we had to cover we nailed. So thank you to everybody 
no thanks go out to us. We were just providing a little bit of company while you drive or while you're stuck at home. So yeah, that's, that's all we're doing, but thank you guys for, for being a part of it. One thing that we didn't mention, uh, about the night two show, one thing that, you know, I think needs to be brought up because, you know, we're doing all this, uh, night, night two is pretty special because that was the night or the day that we decided that we were officially going to do this thing and become a podcast. This was something that Matt and I had been talking about for maybe a month or two. Like we were following the European tour pretty closely and, and talking to people and it just, it kind of came out of nowhere and we're just like, yeah, we should just do it. We should just go ahead and do it. And you know, this, we wanted to put together a Fenway party and what better way to do it than to, you know, announce, the the show is coming on on Wrigley night too so that's that is as special to us as it is to everybody else because we you know we were trying to get out there and I know I was trying to post stuff and and post things in groups while the rain delay was going on like hey everybody everybody join a new Pearl Jam thing like it'll be fun it'll be cool and you know look at what it's turned into we have you know guests coming on the show that are just fantastic and we have so many patrons that we can't thank enough for their help with you know requesting shows and and just getting their 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 stories and overall scope of their fandom so i would never in a million years just believe that this could be possible and uh I mean, John, I have, I have you to thank too, because I didn't know who you were back then, but now we're sitting here and, uh, you know, Matt doesn't do the show every week, but, uh, but you do and, and you, uh, you followed on pretty quickly and, and yeah, so this is, this is where we are today and we've, we've really evolved with this. Oh, thanks man. You know, it's, I, you know, I didn't quite realize what, kind of hard work goes into it and shout out to you for everything that you put into it i think that's starting to pay off you know you we're getting like you said we're getting a lot of great guests and we're only we only want to get bigger and better from here on out so yeah thanks everybody for listening and yeah it's it's been fantastic you know i i love being a part of it i love being able to talk about these shows and go back and listen to bootlegs that i haven't listened to in forever and just uh it's it's just a, a great way to to keep in touch with this community and especially now when we're we're waiting on this tour and when the tour comes back it'll it'll be even bigger yeah and look we're hoping to be at as many of these shows as as humanly possible i know we didn't really talk about it but the european tour getting reannounced and rebooked like that's pretty important and i know most of you uh that we were talking about hanging out in amsterdam um we just got to see what comes up. I, 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 the plan is still to go, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, borders and, and there's a lot of things that we have to, you know, get past first. And, and there's also a, a flight ban currently. So and it looks like you're, to, you're kicking off that tour now instead of ending it, right? It's a, it's a kickoff. Yeah. Which, um, I'm, I, I like the tour enders. I like the tour enders, but the kickoffs can be fun too you know, maybe a couple rare ones, but like the kickoffs are kind of the ones where they, they hint at you as to what the tour is going to be like. Is it, is, are we getting a lot of new stuff? Are we getting a lot of hits? And they they just want to get a feel for the beginning of, of what's to come. So maybe we'll get some, especially if those are their first shows back, those are going to be great. 
Right. Ex- yeah, exactly. You would think that something special would, uh, would come up with those. Um, all right. So yeah, we're, we're back to normal next week. Uh, no more Wrigley stuff, but you can tune in tomorrow. We're actually going to post our part two of our fan mail tomorrow. So if your story wasn't told in part one, it will absolutely be told in part two if you emailed into us. So, uh, we thank you everybody for doing that and, and check those out. Cause those have just been fun to, to recount everybody's stories. And it was, uh, it was a good time to, to just talk about all that stuff. So yeah, if, if you told a story, if you want to hear all the fan stories, check out what we released yesterday, the first part of the ma- fan mail episode and, uh, and tomorrow will be part two. But, uh, next week we, We are going to have some patrons on the show and we're going to do San Francisco night three, 2006, which is a pretty popular show in their lore. We don't get to deal with night threes very often. We get, we just talked about how good the night twos are, but yeah, this night three will be good. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're excited for that. And I listened to the show a little bit a couple weeks ago. I think it was the anniversary of the show and, and boy, it's, it's, it's going to be a fun one to go back and and listen to. And we're going to have two patrons on talking about their, uh, exclusive, uh, experiences. Uh, so that'll, that'll be cool. So again, with Patreon, if you, if you do want to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash live on four legs. And, uh, we will potentially have a mask to send you. If not a mask, we can send you a sticker. Sure. Why not? There are a billion of them just hanging around my house got to get rid of them somehow so uh once again just thanks to everybody for tuning in and sending us really nice and warm notes about how much you enjoyed wrigley month and uh it means the world to us and you know now we've we've raised the bar pretty high for ourselves and now we have to keep raising it so uh who knows what's to come in the future but hopefully it'll be it'll be fun and and i just can't wait i can't wait to see what it is so uh that's it that's it wrigley goers fly the w let's finish this on out this may be the end we're here but not for much longer and although we may be parting ways i miss you already and i miss you always for john and i and alex for coming on the show and the whole month of july just being nothing but wrigley field go cubs go we will see you back next week cubs win cubs win
Get on safe. All right. Thanks over there in the barman section. Much love. In the Wilson Contreras section. In the Anthony Rizzo section. In the Zobra section. The Mago section. The Hayward section. Ian Hap, Kyle Schwarman section. The Johnny Lester section, the Kyle Hendricks section. We'll see you next time. Enjoy your summer. Thanks for letting us be part of it. Much love.